to Sprott Radio. I'm your host, Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Partner at Sprott. With me today is one of our returning guests, John Hathaway, Managing Partner and Senior Portfolio Manager at Sprott. John, once again, thank you for joining Sprott Radio. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, John, before we dive into your most recent gold report titled Connecting a Few Dots, I thought the listeners would enjoy your view and your comments on a recap of what happened in 2022. Can you spend a few minutes talking about last year before we dive into uh, to this year? Sure. I thought last year was going to be a great year, and it was for the first half. And then the Fed started to get really highly verbal about crushing inflation, raising interest rates. And so from mid-year 2022, basically into the end of the third quarter, gold really took it on the chin. And it was really this narrative of Fed hiking rates, strong dollar, and that translated into a weak gold price. Just off the top of my head, I think from mid-June till the end of the third quarter, gold traded down from the mid-1900s to 1600, where it made a in my mind, a very important bottom. Since then, it's rallied into the end of the year to end up flat. And this is a year in which other safe havens like bonds would be the prime example. Had one of the worst years in post-war history. Obviously, stocks did poorly and crypto was, to put it politely, a disaster. So gold kind of rose to the top of the heap. And I think, as I said in my year-end note, it was the macro winner for the year. And that's notwithstanding a lot of volatility getting from point A to point B. Let's dive into that year-end note, because I think you do a great job talking about really what to think about in 2023, what potential speed bumps are out there, We've seen all assets really get off to a pretty good start so far this year. But along with with all the assets doing well, gold and gold equities are right there. In fact, they're some of the better performers so far year to date. What should some of the investors out there be thinking about? What should they be concerned about? And really walk us through some of your insights and what you're seeing in the coming quarters or even years. Well, I think everybody is transfixed with what the Fed's going to do. The FOMC meeting is next week. You know, are they going to raise 50 basis points, 25 basis points? You know, what will the message be? All of that. And I kind of think that that is the center stage in terms of investor attention. In my mind, what has gone on, though, is that despite all their tough talk, and it is just tough talk, the two-year note, which is probably the best indicator of where interest rates are headed, has actually rallied substantially from mid 4% down to close to low 4%. And that basically tells you that the Fed is ultimately going to pivot. And when the Fed pivots, I would expect just about everything that we can think of will rise at least temporarily. And that would include stocks, certainly bonds, and maybe especially gold. Why is that? Because 
that was the headache for everybody last year was Fed raising rates, that cut valuations of everything across the board. And as I did say in my previous comments here, gold was the only survivor after what was admittedly a very rough ride. Well, you know, it's interesting when you think about gold's performance. Conventional wisdom has always been, you know, rising rates, strong dollar, weak gold. And certainly that happened initially. But rates are continuing to rise or they're stronger than they've been in a long time. And yet gold's rallying on that. We saw the same thing, actually, at the end of 15, early part of 16, where rates started rising and gold and gold equities were rising. You know, what do you make of that? Why, why has that been the case now for the last two times the Fed has attempted to tighten? And I say attempted because this may or may not be working. I don't know. I mean, it seems like inflation is still there and so forth. But the last two times the Fed's attempted to tighten, gold's done quite well in that environment. You know, what are you making of that? Well, gold is discounting lower rates. You know, it doesn't wait for the Wall Street Journal to put it on the front page. It discounts well in advance. So why will we have lower rates? I think is the real question. And getting back to your question about speed bumps for investors this year, at least in my opinion, we're at the very beginning of a serious recession. There are many indicators to support that. And I will not go into more than a couple, but we saw a very weak retail sales number just a couple days ago. We saw the Empire Index, which is New York State, that part of the country, print a very, very weak number leading indicators, PMIs, there any number of things that would tell you that we are in the early stages of a recession. The Fed, of course, is waiting to see unemployment rise because that is their key indicator. And obviously, labor is a big component of inflation. My two cents on this is that they're just going to overdo it. They are going to lead us into a very deep, prolonged recession, which has not been discounted yet. So this is a maybe a two-part play. The first part of the play would be the Fed pivots, everything rallies, and then investors, economists, policymakers will look at, well, why did the Fed pivot? That's because the economy is really in trouble. And many, many black swans are out there that would come home to roost in a in a prolonged recession. But the end game of that is that beyond a pivot, which is really just sort of turning down the, the heat on hawkish rhetoric and pausing on interest rate increases, I kind of think that where we're going to get to sometime in 23 is that the Fed's going to have to turn on the fire hoses and the spigots will be wide open. And we'll be back to the old playbook of zero interest rates and quantitative easing, not quantitative tightening. That would be a 180 degree turnabout from consensus. But I kind of think that that is where we're headed. And if, if that's right, gold should make new highs. And gold stocks should benefit from that, obviously, because of widening margins and profitability. One of the things that's being talked about now, and certainly the Fed hasn't mentioned this, but a lot of people are talking about this pretty much at the highest level about 
moving the goalpost on inflation from two to three or maybe even four and sort of changing the rules a little bit of what their goalpost is going to be. And on top of that, you know, you do a really nice job in your most recent letter also addressing things like the dollar maintaining, uh, you know, are, are continuing to get weaker. Um, the bear market potentially uh, just getting started, even though last year was a bit painful for those in the S&P and, and even the NASDAQ, of course, and, and the Russell 2000, the small cap market. What do you think of that? If, if the Fed were to say, okay, you know what, we don't think 2% is really the right number. We think it is 3%. Is that part of the pivot you're talking about? Or is that something completely different that would really change the landscape? What, what, what's your view on that, if that's even a probability based off of some of the stuff I'm reading and, and, and what you're starting to hear in, in the financial media out there? That certainly could be part of the uh, scenario for a pivot, changing Instead of a 2% target, changing it to 3% or 4%, that certainly wouldn't surprise me. But also, look at, look at what they're doing. They're changing the method of calculating CPI once again. I mean, they've done this many times. Not they. This is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Has changed the methodology many, many times over since 1980. If you go back to the methodology of calculating CPI in 1980 and used it under today's conditions, inflation would be running not at the purported 6 or 7%. It would be running in the mid to low teens. So, yeah, the pivot can take many forms, but the Fed would have egg on its face if it just openly pivoted. So they'll probably do it in very sort of subtle ways that are not obvious to the everyday observer. One of the things you're hearing a, a lot now is the debt ceiling, right? That's another thing that investors keep talking about and what that actually means. Depending on what circle you're sitting in, you know, the, the sovereign debt bubble, you know, is that deflating, A? And B, does that matter anymore? You know, <laughs> depending on what circle you sit in, it seems like that is irrelevant to these days. We can just write it off, whether it's student debt or whatever the case may be. Most people forget that there's somebody on the other side of that debt. They expect to get paid for that. So writing that off really isn't an option. What's your view on that? You know, what's your take when people are casual about debt ceiling or the level of debt that we have as a country? It's not taken seriously. Politicians don't take it seriously. I mean, it's just a kabuki dance on raising the debt ceiling. And you see a few hardcore, hard money types in Congress sort of putting up a brave front, but at the end of the day, they'll raise the debt ceiling. So in my mind, the biggest black swan of all, there, there are a bunch of them out there, but the biggest one of all is that when you think about the issuance of treasury debt, which would result from not just where we are today, but a longer recession than anybody expects, and then on top of that, foreign holders of U.S. debt are sellers, and they've been net sellers, buyers of gold, net sellers of treasuries. The numbers just don't add up. And in my mind, there's no way that interest rates in a free market, given the math of a bigger deficit, no market or less of a market in terms of foreign investors for treasury debt and their net sellers, that interest rates, and then the, this idea that the Fed can reduce its balance sheet from where it is today, $8 trillion, back to who knows what number they're targeting, 
the numbers really don't add up. To me, that's where I think the rubber could hit the road in terms of a Fed pivot and then basically throwing in the towel on this sort of anti-inflation jihad that they've been on. And they're, and basically, I think we're off to the races with gold. And in that environment, one of the things that really kind of gripped the headlines last year, and it, it's kind of the opposite of that this year, is the dollar. The strength of the dollar last year, the weakness of the dollar this year. Gold has seemed to have a negative correlation to the dollar um, over history. But certainly in the last year or so, we've seen that when the dollar would rally, gold would soften. And now the dollar softening, gold's rallying. You know, what's the future for the dollar? I, I hate to ask you to pull out the crystal ball, but that's something that, you know, I know investors constantly are asking me about is, you know, wait, if the dollar's strong, why well, own gold? What's your thought on that? What is the future of the dollar, you know, going into this? That's the, that's the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Stuart, leave that in. No problem. <laughs> if that was an inverse relationship, you have to explain to me how in dollars, gold was $300 20 years ago, and now it's $1,900 today. Mm -hmm. There have been periods when the dollar was strong, and there have been periods when the dollar was weak, but that's just against other basically crappy currencies. So there's no inherent strength to the dollar. It's really a trade for the quants to position long U.S. dollar short gold, which they do. It's a big macro trade, and it worked for at least three or four months last year. But if you look at a 20-year span or even a 5- or 10-year span, gold has been on an upward trend for 20 years, and that's against the U.S. dollar. So it's basically a liquid, safe, hard asset versus a very defective paper currency. That story is not over. In fact, I think we're on the cusp of something much more dynamic than we've seen you could call it regime change, which is what Paul Singer did in his latest letter to his investors. We could be on the cusp of a major realignment of global currencies, call it a sovereign debt crisis if you want, but the implications are very, very good for gold. You know, many, many signs of that looking at central banks being strong buyers of the metal and no longer holders or more net sellers of U.S. treasuries. I think if you just sort of focus on that one thing, you can come up with a very positive outlook for where gold prices could be, not just in 2023, but maybe looking out for the next three or four years. Well, you're certainly seeing that in the BRIC nations, how they're thinking about gold going forward and as a potential alternative currency. And maybe address the geopolitical side of the equation as well. We've talked mostly about the financial implications and interest rates and so forth, but you can't talk about gold without talking about geopolitics. You know, What are you seeing on that side of the table? What should people be worried about or, or concerned with as it relates to geopolitics? Well, I think the person that put it best was Zoltan Pozar of Credit Suisse. He said, basically, we are in the, the dusk of the petrodollar. And uh, this gets back to what I was talking about earlier, which is that the issuance of treasuries will continue to rise because of entitlements, because of fiscal deficits. And that means there are more treasuries out there that have to be bought by investors. But in the past, what we've done this is getting to your geopolitical angle, recycled our deficits in the petrodollar system 
where trade surpluses of, let's take Saudi Arabia, for example, basically uh, many, many different, China would be another example. They were recycled into U.S. treasuries. And that was the bid for treasuries. That's going away. As that goes away, because of what Pozar calls the dusk of the petrodollar, and this gets into the BRICS finding alternate ways to settle trades and all kinds of commodities, that means the bid for the U.S. treasuries is weakening at a time when the supply is increasing. I think that is, and I can't emphasize this enough, that is the biggest, I mean, there, there are a lot of black swans, but I think that is the biggest one of all. How that plays out, we don't know. But in my mind, there's no way that the Fed can allow interest rates to go where they would in that big mismatch of supply and demand without being heavy manipulators as they've been for the last 10 years. And that means further expansion of the Fed balance sheet. It seems like gold's going back to what it always has been. But I think more people higher up the food chain are starting to realize that it's really getting enhanced in the monetary policy. It is an alternative currency. It's being viewed that way. I got to believe, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, I got to believe that's going to continue as as areas like China and so forth continue to expand. I got to believe at some level, they're going to move away from the U.S. dollar and they see the benefit of assets like gold for oil and that sort of thing. Um, what's, what's your view on that? Is, this, is that a moment in time or do you think that's a... Uh, seismic shift that you're seeing kind of in global economics. Yeah, no, that's that's regime change. And it's happening before our eyes. And I'm just astonished that so few people actually talk about it. But again, I think the implications are that the Fed is going to have to continue to manipulate interest rates by being the buyer of last resort for U.S. Treasuries. Well, it's amazing we issue and buy our own debt all day long. I, I would certainly like to do that myself. Um, I just haven't figured out a way to do it without ending up in prison. So, um, you know. Well, your, your, your credit's probably better than the U.S. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. I've got two kids just out of school that I'm supporting, so I'm not sure about that. Um, I'll tell you this. You talk a lot at the end of your letter about groupthink and, and embracing gold, kind of breaking those ranks. It does seem to be that people are still convinced that the S&P is the you know, de facto way to, to grow net worth and grow the, the bottom line. More and more investors need to be thinking outside the box. More and more investors, I think, need to be thinking about things like alternative assets in general with gold being front and center. What would you leave our listeners with as they go forward into this year and into this market? How to really embrace assets like gold and how should they think about that as they're constructing their portfolio going forward? This is kind of what we... All of us at Sprott have been saying and believe, it's a core belief, that gold is a very effective diversifier against known and unknown risks. And you could see that last year by having a component of gold in your portfolio. Your results would not have been as negative as they turned out to be if you didn't have gold. So gold is a diversifier against risk. I also think that in the world, at least that I see in the landscape, it's a great macroeconomic speculation. If one can hypothesize that the dollar is in trouble, and we've kind of talked about this for the last several minutes, then to think about a step change in the valuation of gold is not 
implausible. So that means not only on the one hand, it's a safe haven, and I think that's indisputable over history. And again, on our website, I know we have ample support for that. But I also think we're at a point in time where it could be a great moneymaker, a great source of alpha in a mix of different investment strategies for just about everybody out there. So two things, safe haven, never been a question about that. But is this a point in time where there's a huge investment opportunity? And I think that is the case. And I think the high octane way to address that, and I'm talking my own book here, would be to invest in mining equities because they have so much leverage to the scenario that I'm talking about. We've seen the second half of last year, the mining stocks in general start to do quite well. Just year to date, they're up two or three X to the general markets. You think that can continue? You think, you know, if gold continues to do what it's doing, you think the gold equities are in an attractive position to take advantage of that and continue to expand over time? And, and we certainly say potentially, right? We don't, we're not guaranteeing anything here. But given the landscape, you're liking the mining stocks right now. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's what I do. Our team, our expertise is in analyzing companies that produce precious metals, gold and silver uh, primarily. And again, if my thought is correct, that we are sort of on the verge of a step change in where gold and silver trade, then you're going to get two or three X that kind of return from being invested in a quality, well-selected portfolio of of mining equities. And John, what do you say to someone, and I say this, and I'd be curious to get your view. You know, I like to say gold and gold equities are two different investments. Gold is a risk-off, hedge, low-cost investment, and the gold equities are more of an opportunistic risk-on hedge. You know, you're taking on additional volatility by owning mining stocks. Do you agree with that, or, or how should an investor think about that when they're looking to construct one or both allocations within a portfolio? How do you view that allocation? What you said is exactly right. I mean, gold is a safe asset, you know, end of, you know, period, end of sentence. Mining stocks have risks of various kinds. Again, we, in our investment process, sift through on a daily basis. But if gold were to go up by, let's make it up, say 20%, the leverage that you get in mining stocks would multiply that by two or three times, so 40 to 60%, all hypothetical, but not without risk because mining gold entails certain risks, which we don't have time to enumerate, but rest assured that our investment team is fully cognizant of what those risks are for each and every company that we invest in. Well, John, we'll probably, you know, uh, tap your shoulder again, say around mid-year. Maybe we'll do a deeper dive, as you suggested, into the gold equities and where we're seeing opportunities there. So always a treat to see you, uh, always a treat to hear from you. And and I know our investors, they like it as well. So once again, for those that are interested in in what John has to say in his uh, reports, download more information on our website. We encourage you to visit us at sprott.com. That's S-P-R-O-T-T. and learn more about how we can be your alternative manager within the gold and gold equity space. Once again, my name is Ed Coyne, Senior Managing Partner at Sprott Asset Management, and you're listening to Sprott Radio.
This podcast is provided for information purposes only from sources believed to be reliable. However, Sprott does not warrant its completeness or accuracy. Any opinions and estimates constitute our judgment as of the date of this material and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This communication is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument. Any opinions and recommendations herein do not take into account individual client circumstances, objectives or needs and are not intended as recommendations of particular securities, financial instruments or strategies. You must make your own independent decisions regarding any securities, financial instruments or strategies mentioned or related to the information herein. This communication may not be redistributed or retransmitted in whole or in part or in any form or manner without the express written consent of Sprott. Any unauthorized use or disclosure is prohibited. Receipt and review of this information constitutes your agreement not to redistribute or retransmit the contents and information contained in this communication without first obtaining express permission from an authorized officer of Sprott.